Hello and welcome to the Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson. And because my passion is to help dads become heroes, you know that it's my joy each week to bring you relevant topics that support that goal, especially when it comes to the dad-daughter relationship. And I'm sure you have this down by now, but if you're a new listener, I want to review the template that works as a grid to guide every conversation, which is on your mark, get set, go. So dads, I want you to envision yourselves right now standing side by side each other, cheering each other on as you're getting ready to run your fathering race this week with on your mark being the topic or the theme, get set is filling that in with stories and stats, and go is your practical action step where you can put your love for your daughters and your sons into action this week. Well, today my guest coach is a friend of mine who heralds from Atlanta, Georgia, and her name is Shanti Feldhan, and she and I bonded a few years ago at a counseling conference when we realized we both had a mutual love. Okay, are you ready for it? For Diet Coke. Well, I imagine that the majority of you that hear the name Shanti Feldhan have probably read her books or heard podcasts from her. She's widely known. And every single time we connect, I'm blown away at the wisdom that this woman has. Some of my favorite books of hers are For Men Only, For Women Only, and The Male Factor, M-A-L-E which is about men in the workplace. And her next book to be released this year is Thriving in Love and Money, Five Game-Changing Insights About Your Relationship, Your Money, and Yourself. She's written many more books, and if you want to learn more about her work, you can go to her website at shanti.com, S-H-A-U-N-T-I.com. Well, before we launch into our conversation today, I want to tell you a few more phenomenal things about her. Shanti received her graduate degree from Harvard University. She's worked on Capitol Hill. She was an analyst on Wall Street before unexpectedly becoming a groundbreaking social researcher. She's a best-selling author, a popular media commentator, and an internationally sought-out speaker. And yet she's clear about one thing, and that's that her first love is being a wife and a mom to her two children. There's so much more I could say about her, but if I do, we'll never get to the interview today. So I just want to begin by saying, welcome, Shanti Feldhan. (laughs) It's great to be with you. (laughs) I know. You know that I'm one of your biggest fans, so I just had to start with all that. (laughs) You're so sweet. I'm like, I can't live up to that introduction. Oh, you can. You can and you do. (laughs) Well, you know, let's just tell everyone that in preparation for this conversation, we spent some time over lunch talking about where we wanted to go. And Shanti, I just want to thank you on the front end that I know today, not only are you going to be sharing things that you, you know, have have gained in terms of insights in your research, but you're going to share some of your own story. So thank Mm -hmm. you for that on the front end, because you've got some raw and real data, we'll call it that, that you're going to add to this rich conversation Mm -hmm. today. So because you've written books, like I said, titled For Men Only, For Women Only, For Parents Only, it seemed only fitting today that for On Your Mark... We would title this for dads only, with the subtitle being living with the end of your life in view. So how about if we just begin where you can just tell us a little bit about what's happened with your dad's health over the past couple of years and even recently? Yeah, this has been a really interesting season. Um, he, my dad actually had a series of strokes. He had a, series, he had a stroke um, about almost five years ago. And he fully recovered completely. Mm -hmm. Um, But then he had a much more uh, devastating stroke almost two years ago. And um, when they gave him the medicine that, you know, you have to sometimes give somebody that 
Otherwise, they might really be incapacitated. Mm-hmm. The side effect of it is that sometimes your brain starts bleeding. And, you know, it's saving your life, but that happens. And unfortunately, it's that happened with him. And so um, from about two years ago until December, um, he was completely incapacitated. And it was so hard for me to yeah. watch this, where he required total care and uh, my mom, you know, they got a live-in caregiver to come help because she's this little tiny woman. Like, there's no way she could take care of him right. completely. And um, and it just, he got weaker and weaker. It was just really hard to, to watch and, and to um, sort of watch this man that I love go through that. And then um, God took him home uh, about four weeks ago. Mm. Wow. I mean, here we had planned to have this conversation when he was still alive and delayed it. Yeah. Because of all that yeah. you were going through, which I just find so significant in that now you get to talk from such a raw and real the place. The full circle. Yeah, yep. the full circle. You know, and I know that when you and I talked before, you said so often you have found yourself in this season just thanking your dad, even though he couldn't talk to you about yes. being such a good dad. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting. One of the things that you know, I, I can't help myself. I'm a research nerd. <laughs> so I love it. One of, the things that, one of the things that I ask every doctor, you know, every medical professional, you know, they say sometimes people, even if they look like they can't, because if they can't communicate, because dad couldn't communicate. Right. Um, you know, is he, even when he looks like he's not listening, is he listening? You know, even when it looks like he's, you know, not really there, is he able to hear you? And they all mm-hmm. said, Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And so it was very, very sweet, you know, for the last, um, especially the last few months, we, I just made it a priority. And interestingly, some of it was because of our conversation. Really? Over, yes, just to be so much more purposeful about making sure that, I, you know, I told him multiple times during those, the last two years, you are such a good dad. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for working so hard to provide for our family. You know, I'm sure in his heart, he must have been screaming inside sometimes, wondering, like, is my wife going to be taken care of? Because he, he treasured my mom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, wondering, is she going to be okay? And for him to hear us say, it provided so well. We're going to take care of her. She's going to be great. Mm-hmm. You know, she's going to miss you. But you know, if God calls you home, go, you know, yes. and you were such a good dad and, you know, just relating memories. And, and it was really, really important for both of us, I think, that, well, we, yeah. that we did that. Well, I, what I love about this, Shanti, is that I've never covered anything about this season of life on The Dad Whisperer. Mm. And I think there will be people listening that if either just lost a dad or their dad is you know, in a dying process like yours has been. But you're saying to daughters, tell your dad things that you're grateful for. Do that Do that yep. at the end of life. Because what's that like for you now on this end to know that you've been strategic and purposeful these last couple months with your dad? Oh my gosh, it, it has changed everything about how I feel about this whole process. I have been dealing, as you can probably imagine, I'm going to be really transparent here, really honest, I've been dealing with the fact that from the moment that it was clear that he not only had this devastating stroke, but his brain started bleeding, that unless God did a, a crazy miracle, which, you know, sometimes he does, right? but unless he did a crazy miracle, things were only going to go downhill, and Dad was going to be trapped mm. in this not-working body 
with, he's, he's a brilliant man, a PhD, Fulbright scholar, I mean, just everything of the sun, and being trapped in a brain that wasn't working, you know, I was thinking, if this is me, yeah, you know, I would want God to take me home, like, I don't, mm-hmm. don't want to, I don't, I don't know how long I want to stick around like this, and so praying, you know, God, please take Dad home, and then going, okay, am, am I supposed to be praying that? Mm. And so it was, it was precious. To have that time to be able to say at the same time that I'm like, Lord, please, in your timing, in your mercy, take him home. But while he's here, this is clearly you, like, Mm -hmm. keeping him here. So what can I do to use this time? And so that was a lot of it. Whenever I was in town and I was over at their house, um, and I should explain, we moved him down to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. They used to live in Virginia. and. They just, you know, I couldn't keep going back and forth, and Mom knew they needed to move, and so they moved a mile down the road from us. So whenever I was not out traveling and speaking somewhere and was sitting with him in his sunroom, <laughs> we'd yeah. be, he'd be hearing me say those things. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you for being honest about that. And I think for those listening, how about if we just turn the conversation a little bit? Could you just share a little bit about what your relationship with your dad was like during the years? Yeah, listen, we had the probably the usual father-daughter relationship in that it was wonderful in some ways and challenging in some ways. But listen, growing up, my dad traveled a lot, so he was gone 100 days a year. Wow. Um, and he worked for the World Bank, and he was in international development, and he did all these amazing things that we don't have time to get into, but he was very innovative. He got the equivalent of a knighthood for foreigners from China. <sighs> because he oh did all these goodness. amazing things to help them. I know, it was amazing. But when you're a kid, you just want your dad. Totally. Right? Like, you know, like, I didn't understand he was doing all these amazing things. Like, I just missed my dad. Yeah. But, but, but the thing that I realized somewhere in my uh, sort of probably middle school and, and high school years when I got a little bit older and I kind of grasped it, is that, you know, yeah, he was gone 100 days a year. But when he was home, he made it a priority to be home every single night for dinner. That is hard mm. for a mm-hmm. for an in demand professional. Right. He would leave he would leave the office at like four thirty in the afternoon every day or five o'clock every day in order to fight the traffic in Washington DC and mm. be home by five thirty or six or whatever time it was that we were having dinner. And yeah, and then after dinner, sometimes he would have to go back into his home office and mm-hmm. work for hours. But it struck me eventually, like, this is a big deal. For him to leave yeah. the office at 5 o'clock every single day, and, and I started to really realize what a sacrifice that was for yeah. him and how much that he cared about us. And he was never one of those kind of standoffish dads. He wasn't perfect with words. But he always would say, I love you. And he always would, like, physically hug us. And as the years went by, man, that just made all the difference. Yeah. So, yeah, we had the ups and the downs, but I love my dad, and he mm. knew he loved us. What I'm really struck by right now hearing you talk about this is a couple things. And one of them is you're saying your dad intentionally chose to make dinner time a priority. And I think we live in a culture where not many people gather around the dinner table much anymore. At least that's what I hear. Everybody's running to sports and this and that. But And the other thing that really strikes me is that 
we're talking about living with the end of life in view. And you're saying the older I got, I look back now and see what deposits my dad was making into us as kids that at the time didn't seem all that big of a deal. And I think dads, at times where you may not get the thanks from your daughters or your sons going, does it even matter that I show up for dinner? They don't even seem to care. (laughs) Years later, at the end of your life, your kids are going to look back and go, my dad showed us that he cared, that he loved us. Oh, and not even the end of his life. I mean, like I started to realize that with my first job out of college. Mm. You know, I'm, you know, I'm 21, 22 years old and I'm working on Capitol Hill and, you know, it was a zillion hours, uh, you know, that they were requiring of us and I didn't get home till midnight and I'm going, wait, how did, how did dad manage to leave the office every day at five? Like, mm. that was a real sacrifice on his part. Like, I started to realize that really early. Yeah. And, and at that, once you're a little bit older and you have a little bit more perspective, I mean, you appreciate the hugs and you appreciate the I love yous mm-hmm. and you appreciate the fact that he's there to watch your, in my case, musical theater shows. Like, all of that yeah. was appreciated. Mm-hmm. But it started to become much, there was a much bigger sense of it once I got old enough to realize what a sacrifice he was Yeah. Making. You know what I love too right now is that, you know, listeners are hearing your voice and I'm asking dads and daughters, join me because, you know, I'm a shrink. Let's, can you hear Shanti's voice? Can you hear the excitement? Can you hear the love in her voice for her dad? And she's one month out of losing him. From losing him. I mean, here she is now recalling the deposits her dad has made, and you can hear the joy in her stories. So dads, remember that even when it's hard with your kids and when your daughters hit, quote, that age, and you think, I've had enough of you, remember that these deposits last long after you're gone right? And if you're just joining us today, welcome. I'm Dr. Michelle Watson, the Dad Whisperer. Today, my guest is Shanti Feldhan, and she's speaking about what it's like for a daughter to live after her dad is gone. We've titled today for Dads Only, Living with the End of Your Life in View. So Shanti, you mentioned just briefly that your dad wasn't much of a talker. And I think sometimes daughters wish their dads were maybe more like them. Talk back to me, draw me out. (laughs) Tell us more about how you navigated that dynamic with your dad. (laughs) Well, and the funny thing is, is my dad in some ways actually was a talker in that you know, he loved, you know, if we had people over for dinner, he loved telling stories and, you know, that kind of stuff. But probably like a lot of men, you know, sharing kind of what he was thinking and feeling, mm-hmm. you know, the inner stuff, it probably doesn't come, it didn't come as natural. And um, and that statistically, by the way, in my research is very, very common. It's somewhere in like the 75 to 85% range yeah. of, of men, you know, that they, it's harder for them to process emotional stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it didn't matter. Like when it came to the emotional stuff that we needed as kids, we just needed to hear "I love you." Mm-hmm. And that, and by the way, I can tell the dads listening to this that really is what your kids primarily need. Like they they need to know, "I appreciate you," "I believe in you," "I love you." And if you don't have the like big, you know busy words to say with a perfect bow on top, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. I, I, did, I did a big study of teenagers a number of years ago, and that was it. That was like what the kids needed. Mm-hmm. You know, they just needed to know that their parents cared for them. Yeah. And hearing it was a big piece of that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you've even told me that your dad was sitting there listening. So sometimes even if he didn't yeah. have much to say, yeah. he stayed present to listen to you. Well, he did. And, and, this is, and this is one thing that I think a lot of dads don't realize. And I sort of, because I'm a social researcher, as I, you know, as I started to interview kids and interview parents and sort of hearing some of the patterns, mm-hmm. I saw in my, you know, I thought back to my own childhood, obviously, and, and realized what a huge deal it is for my dad. He didn't, he didn't necessarily have all the right words to say, mm-hmm. but he did listen. And one of the other things that he would often do that I realized in hindsight is he would ask questions. Ah, and I love that's that. something that any dad can do. That's something that any mom can do. Right. It may come more easily for moms, but, but that's something that any dad can do of, you know, just tell me about, you know, how that made you feel. Like, and that's harder for dad to sort of think about doing, but even a couple of those at dinner or, you know, you, you watch, like in my case, I, you know, was in a musical theater show and we're driving away and they go, oh, that was so good to add the, you know, instead of just the, hey, that was amazing, clap, mm-hmm. clap, clap, to add the, you know, what did you think? Yeah. How did you, what, what was the scariest part of that? Did, were there any mistakes behind the scenes that, you know, the audience yes. wouldn't have known about? And trust me, your girl, you'd like, you wind her up, she'll start going. <laughs> you know? Even if she's an introvert. You don't need yeah. to ask. You don't need yeah. to ask too many questions. Yeah. Even if she's an introvert, she will. <laughs> yeah. Because you're showing interest in her world. So a dad that might yeah, think, oh, absolutely. she doesn't want me in her world. I'm like, yeah, she does. Oh, but you've yeah, got to pursue her. Her world. Yeah, and, and, and that is, I know, and it certainly was for me, that mm-hmm. was probably the hardest thing for my dad because I was the classic teenage girl. I was drama, like everything mm-hmm. under the sun. I me was too, me too. Yeah, yeah. and I haven't, haven't helped me. Like, you know, I look back <laughs> on it and go, oh, God. <laughs> How did my dad go through it? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> when I when I when my oldest child when I gave birth to a daughter, I was like, "Oh Lord, please don't let me like." Yeah, we but need our dads the, the to say is, we're okay being us. You know? Yes. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing that I always tell dad: you automatically think your daughter is a drama queen, mm-hmm. and you're like, you don't want a piece of that. And yeah. all you need to know is that all what you think of as a drama queen you know, where she's being so emotional about something or whatever. All that that is, is an invitation for you to ask a couple of those questions about how she's feeling. Mm -hmm. That's all that is. And as you pull out those feelings, believe it or not, like you kind of want her to stuff the feelings back in. If you pull those feelings out Mm -hmm. a little bit, like, did that embarrass you? What did that, you know, when so-and-so said that, what did that make you think? You pull out just a couple Mm -hmm. of those kinds of questions you'll see her start to relax. You'll yes. actually see that drama queen, oh, she, yeah. she relaxes, yeah. she, she gets much, she's feeling heard. And you know what? That yeah. I, in retrospect, even though I know my drama queen self drove my dad crazy, he, he, didn't, he didn't give in to the temptation to just want to walk away. Mm. He did actually listen, and he did actually ask questions. It, it's yeah. amazing to think about. Yeah, now that you look back, because you have all those deposits now that he's gone 
in your heart yeah. space. And I, I want to highlight yeah. that both you and I were drama queens in high school. And here we are now <laughs> using all of our God-given energy and passion to make a yeah. difference in the world. So dads that maybe are listening that are stuck in that place, operative word stuck, with going, I'm with a daughter who's too much for me. Maybe you can just today be reminded that Shanti and I were those kind of daughters and look at where God has us now. So if you can have faith that 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 energy in her can be propelled to make a difference, maybe that's what they need to hear today. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I mean, I know that a lot of dads are kind of scared of that, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's, I'll let mom handle that. She knows how to handle the teenagers. Well, you know what? For the dads listening to this, don't be scared of it. This is something that you have strength to pour into mm-hmm. your little girl yeah. or, or your big girl who's rolling her eyes and driving you nuts. Yeah. I mean, you too. And that, that love, that caring, those questions, how yeah. did that make you feel? Mm-hmm. Just like put them in your back pocket yeah. and bring them out every now and yeah. then. Like it makes a huge difference. So one of the other things that we talked about you talked about blind spots that men often have or dads do mm. when it comes to the yeah. gift of their presence. Can you say more about that? Yeah, this was something that I, I saw in my own, you know, childhood and growing up and very much in my dad. Um, and then in the research, started to see it statistically, where men have such a God-given desire to provide for the family, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's, that's a God-given thing. It's, I can't remember the statistics. It's like 82% of men or something like that, like huge numbers where there's just this compulsion, um, and this feeling in the back of my mind, I have to be able to provide for my family. Mm-hmm. And the the issue is, is that that can become a blind spot because what we found is that the vast majority of women and kids of both genders, by the way, not just girls, but, but boys as well, what they most want is actually your presence. That's the provision that they're the most sort of connected to and what they most need. Mm-hmm. is to have you available to them and you to be there. And that's the problem with working a gazillion hours to provide because that's sort of what you're focused on is financial mm-hmm. provision is that sometimes that takes you away from the life of the family. Yeah. And what the family would choose, believe it or not, and I know that it's hard to believe. I've talked to thousands of them. I know that it's hard for you to believe, but we have the statistics to prove it from okay. these nationally representative surveys. Yeah. Is that is that the, the men think, oh, well, you, you know, they they need the provision, they want yeah. the, the finances more, and they understand that I have to be away. And yeah, to a point, of course, like everybody knows that you have to work. However, if you are finding yourself going, I wish I was home too. Like, I don't want to yeah. miss Donnie's soccer games either. I don't want to miss Michelle's shows or whatever yeah. either. You know, if you find yourself thinking that, dads, realize that maybe you're out of balance and you've allowed that blind Mm -hmm. spot to have some sway because 70% of married women, 70% said that if they had to make a choice, you know, you wouldn't want to make a choice, but if you had to, they absolutely would give up the finances if that's what it took to get more of you. There you go. And, and that's, that's and so it's good. much higher than that with the kids. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I love that. Okay, well, I end every show with one go step. So here's my last question for you. If you were to leave dads with one last way that they can put their love for their daughters and sons into action, living today with the end of life in view, what would that one last thing be? 
I'm going to say something that's going to scare the dads, but trust me, it's going to be a lot simpler. Okay. <laughs> I think it is. Okay. So for some of you, it may be that, you know, you need to say I love you more or you need to hug your daughter more or whatever. For others, it may be you're working a bazillion hours and they need your presence. Mm-hmm. Ask them. Oh, good. Ask your daughter. Ask your wife. Ask your son. Mm-hmm. Like, if there was one change that you would want me to make, like, do do you want me to, you know, yeah, I could take this extra, you know, this these overtime hours and miss this. Would you rather, you know, that maybe we go to on a cheaper vacation this year, but I'm around more? I love it. Ask them. Ask them. <laughs> and see what Two words. Say. Ask yeah. them. Well, On Your Mark today has been for dads only, living with the end of your life in view, You've heard today from author and social researcher and my friend, Shanti Feldhan. So dads, today and all this next week, put into action these directives and suggestions and ideas that she's given you because it will make a difference in a lifelong way for your daughters and your sons to connect to you. As always, you can write to me at drmichelle at thedadwhisper.com. You can go to my website at drmichellewatson.com where you'll find free resources. You can sign up for my bi-monthly Dad Daughter Friday blogs. There's also a link to Amazon where you can find my book, Dad, Here's What I Really Need From You, A Guide for Connecting With Your Daughter's Heart, and it's also available on Audible. You can also subscribe to the Dad Whisperer podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, or go to my website where all of those past episodes are there. Well, I'm Dr. Michelle Watson, the Dad Whisperer, signing off, encouraging you to make today a day where you are intentionally and consistently investing in pursuing your daughter's hearts. Go Dads! Go Dads!